Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Randomly Generated History Club, where three non-historians pick a year at random and try to learn things about it. I'm Will and I'm here with my two friends. Ant. My name is Ant. Ant. That was Ant. He's one of my two friends. And Anna. My name is Ant. No, and wait, no, I thought we were, we changed up season two, totally different season. You weren't introducing us anymore. We're going to introduce ourselves. Well, yeah, but we haven't updated the script, and Will uh, can only Will read what's on, he's the, like on the prompter. Yes, okay, fine. Yeah. Sorry, sorry for disturbing the flow. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> this week, we're talking about the year 1841. <laughs> now, let's give our three-word previews, please, of what we're discussing today. Anna. Bookkeeper murder mystery. Bookkeeper? Bookkeeper. Murder Bookkeeper. mystery. Yep. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah. good. There's a lot of syllables, though. I, I don't like the syllable-to-word ratio. I know. I'm not going to lie. As I was saying it, I thought, this is a lot. Bookkeeper, famously, three you, triple letters in a row. You have exhausted the seven-syllable limit, I'm afraid. <laughs> <Shit>. Okay. <laughs> Bookie murder mystery. Very good. And uh, Lads on tour. Lads yes. on tour. Three yeah. syllables. Perfect. That's exactly what we're looking I for. I don't like to use more syllables than I need to. <laughs> and mine is talking over democracy. Oh. That's right. I can't wait. Here we go. This week, I'm going to talk about the filibuster. Philip Buster? Phil, Mr. Philip Buster. Mr. P. Buster. He... Mr. Philip Buster. Okay. He was actually a doctor. He was a PhD. Dr. Philip Buster. Dr. Dr. His Philip famous Buster. brother, Dust. <laughs> <laughs> Great laugh. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and their nephew, Ghost. <laughs> I'm desperately searching for another one. Desperately. <laughs> I've never wanted to know another thing. Their cousins with a different surname, Steak. <laughs> what? The Philly Steak. <laughs> 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 what? 
have the same first name. Yeah, yeah it's a family name. <laughs> so, what is a Philly steak? Is it a middle name cheese? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or is it a hyphenated name? Oh, it's wow. A, it's a, no, no, because the steak's the surname. <laughs> cheese is the middle name. Obviously. And Philly is the first uh, name, but it's a family name. It's, a, it's used commonly amongst the family. Yeah, Philly yeah. cheese steak. Yeah. The filibuster <laughs> is a political procedure in which one or more members of a legislative body, like a parliament or mm. a congress, try to prolong a debate on potential legislation to delay or even to try and completely prevent a decision. So that's what a filibuster is. And it's sometimes talk- talked about or referred to as, quote, talking a bill to death, unquote, mm. or talking out a bill. Okay. And it's basically a form of like, it's a way to obstruct someone passing a law okay. um, in, a, in, in a legislative body. Did like. is- does it exist in places other than America? You are about to learn lots oh, about this okay. topic. I'm excited. Uh, because it is affected enormously by the rules yes. in, the, in the chamber. In the chamber. And, it, it, un, and unsurprisingly, as we will come to, it turns out the US's rules, basically US democracy is a complete joke. Yeah, and, um, no argument here. Well, not a complete joke. but it's, I mean, I've heard it described as the worst export from the US is their actual democratic system. Yeah. Ugh, who has bought that? Uh, loads of like loads of countries have. I guess the ones we sort of invaded. Yeah, huh? exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm yeah, sorry, the... the ones we spread democracy <laughs> to. So the term filibuster comes from the Dutch. I, can I get can I can I guess? Yeah. Is it is it from Vrijbooter? Is it from a like a freebooter, a pirate? That is correct. Yes. What? Which okay. is a Dutch term. How do you know that? How do you know ancient Dutch? Because she's become. I just hate the term like filibuster. Bang on the on sort of podcast. thing Anna would have looked up in detail. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's true. I'm pretty sure it's in the Stackhouse filibuster episode of The West Wing. I think CJ describes oh, okay. that. I have seen The West Wing, so therefore I do feel as smart as you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this means, as Anna correctly says, uh, this is uh, the term freebooter, the Dutch for freebooter, which was a pillaging or plundering adventurer. And uh, the precise history of how the word was borrowed into English is a bit obscure, but the the, the Oxford English Dictionary has found, finds that the only known use in early modern English is in a 1587 book oh. uh, describing filibutos who, who robbed supply convoys. So 1587, we see a version of the word in English of some kind. And in the late 18th century, so as late as that then, the, the term was then reborrowed separately into English from its French form, filibustier, uh, um, a term... <laughs> Which is... A filibustier is a very nice <laughs> yeah, piece yeah, of yeah, lingerie. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a, la- a well endowed lady in France, I think. <laughs> filibustier. <laughs> it's the French. That's uh, the French br- lady of the branch night. of the family. Um, <laughs> filibustier the steak. Steak. <laughs> Cheese steak. Philly fromage, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it was using that form until the mid nineteenth century. And then the modern English form filibuster was borrowed again in the early 1850s from the Spanish hmm. filibustero, oh. uh, which means lawless plunderer. And the term was then basically grew in prominence in America, having been stolen from the Spanish um, from that branch. So, so there was the word came backwards and forwards into yeah. the English language. Yeah. But, it, but it, when it was applied to, in, when it eventually uh, to political obstruction, 
it actually only that only started happening in the states after it had been brought in from the Spanish filibustero in the okay. in the nineteenth century. But, but largely always a negative thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was it's never always... like awesome dude. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. So it's always meant like lawless plunderer, pillager yeah. person, and then it had this very specific political obstruction meaning in okay. in America, taken from the Spanish in cool. the in the nineteenth century. So the etymology is yeah, just quite interesting. So I thought I'd, I'd do a, do a bit on it. There you go. That's the bit. It's done now. Yeah, done. Good, Tick. Good. Do you, I mean like? Not to get too political, but do you think it's a good idea that people can filibuster? Is it a good mechanic? Mm. Like, it feels a bit glitchy to me. Like, if this was in a video game, which is, like, more my remit, um, I just think it would be a bit OP, basically. Yeah. If you just well, that would be like, a really talking. boring video game. <laughs> well, I think it's, I think <laughs> it's very controversial. Yeah. So, so there, yeah. are, there are many people who think I, it's, a, 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 a like, a legitimate political tool. Yeah. And there are many people who think it's an abhorrence um mm. so yeah, yeah. i think make your own mind up so I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the history of mm. the term Please. and then you can make your own mind I, up i want wow. to so okay can anyone guess who the first known practitioner of filibustering filibustering was dr seuss imelda marcos dr seuss imelda marcos and real guesses um, <laughs> George Washington. George Washington. Boring, like yeah, eighteen forty. Franklin Pierce. No, he's after that. So, by, by which I mean um, the first known practitioner of someone who is trying to talk out a debate. Yeah, oh. it's going to be a, poli- like, a political debate in yeah, a legislative body. I don't know Hamilton. Henry VIII. For Henry VIII. Hamilton. No, so the first, the first known example was Cato the Younger in Roman Senate. Oh, oh okay, 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 oh right, okay, okay. right, okay. Not fine. Right, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so in Greek, good. The, uh, no, <laughs> they're all the same. <laughs> okay, so in in debates over legislation, he especially opposed. He would obstruct everything by speaking continuously until nightfall. And then this is where the rules of the chamber really, really matter in how democracy is expressed, right? So in the Roman Senate at the time had a rule requiring all business to be concluded by dusk. And so just by, if you could just speak beyond dusk, you, it works you, every this is single exactly time. exactly how I used to date people. I would just, just talk, talk till at dusk. them until dusk. <laughs> and, and then, then they'd be like, fine, it worked. <laughs> yeah. And then they would have to cl- conclude all business. <laughs> they would have to conclude all business, exactly. <laughs> and, and you didn't see a lot of filibustiers. And nothing, that, and nothing uh, was enacted. It's a very classic, ha- do you have any brothers and sisters? And then just go on a complete tirade <laughs> for the next six hours. <laughs> so in the modern world, how, like, how filibustering is used depends on, depends on the rules. So, so both, for instance, both houses of the Australian Parliament, for example, have strict rules that enforce kangaroo house and emu house that's that is that is wow. um it's their national animals offensive it's, it's not racist to our eight australian <laughs> listeners um <laughs> um but they have they have rules enforcing how long members can speak so that's a real which is by the way very sensible it makes democracy work really mm-hmm. well yeah. no, note take note the u.s senate um and uh, that means that filibusters are basically not possible uh, and but then in the, so in, uh, in other places work differently so for instance, in 2014, the Irish Justice Minister Alan Shatter performed a filibuster in which he was perceived to quote drone on and on, and so this was termed a quote drone attack. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Little Irish joke. Yep, there from the Irish Parliament, and then in the in the UK in Parliament. I didn't know it was an Irish thing at all. I yeah. Well, yeah. So it turns out there's that there's there's space within the rules to to, to be able this, to talk yeah, yeah. Um, to filibuster. So in the, in the UK Parliament. Um, a bill defeated by filibustering is said to have been talked out and the procedures in the commons uh, are such that you can filibuster but you must talk 
directly to things that are germane to the topic under consideration yeah. uh, okay. so it makes yeah, it a lot harder reading like read random you can't just go read a cookbook yeah. um and it makes it a lot harder to, to sustain so there have been some, some interesting examples in the in the uk parliament so in, in in 1983 a labor mp called john golding talked for over 11 hours wow. during an all-night sitting at the committee stage wow. of the british telecommunications bill um, but that was, fortunately, it was in, in, in a standing committee, so he wasn't in the Commons, so he could able he could take breaks to go and eat and things. So that's how he got to eleven hours. And then in January two thousand eleven, Labour peers, including uh, John Prescott, who was amongst Labour peers, the former Deputy Prime Minister in the UK, uh, they were attempting to delay the passage of um, the parliamentary voting system bill that was going through and they wanted to delay it after until a certain date uh, which was the deadline given by the electoral commission so yeah. they knew that if they met this date then it would stop the, the referendum on the alternative vote which we then had we had in the uk we did have a referendum yeah at, on, the, on the alternative changing the voting system which we didn't do but then on the eighth day of the debate this is in the, in the house of lords uh, in the eighth day of the debate then they uh, the the staff had to come in and set up camp beds and refreshments wow. to allow the peers to rest uh which for the first time they they've never done that in like eight years um since since 2003 it's like absolutely nuts that like you can sort of derail the whole system by just talking randomly yeah. like i'm all for like you know uh countering an idea or like having sort of a different view but like arguing on the basis of merit and like but just basically i'm not getting my way and therefore i'm gonna like trick the system so that yeah you know like you Except can't it's get cool yours when it's things when it's for the side that you care about right the very famous wendy davis filibuster against uh extremely restrictive abortion laws in texas like everyone loved that because she was standing up against a bill that she thought was wrong right i mean for every good case <laughs> is a bad case yeah. like, yeah. like, apart, like apart, from, apart from all the people in who disagree with that exactly. position yeah, yeah, it just yeah, depends yeah. So, like, like who side you're on if you right? believe in yeah. strict democracy yeah. which i i do or slash totalitarianism but that's a separate one. um but like <laughs> you know like it should be the basis of the what the people want yeah right? well it's, the, I mean, it's a great plot device i'll tell you that it, it comes a up in a lot device. of movies yeah, and yeah, tv yeah. shows um so in the in the u.s though it's like to, to talk to all this so or, as with so many things the rules are just completely crazy basically so so it means that filibustering is a tool that can be really really easily used so senate rules permit a, a senator to speak for as long as they want to on any topic they choose to unless quote three-fifths of the senators duly chosen and sworn bring about and uh, end quote br bring about the uh, the end of the debate by invoking closure under the, under some of the senate rules so basically three-fifths of the of all senators have to gather together to stop a filibuster yeah. so it's just a complete nightmare and um and so it's it's a it's a really really powerful tool specifically yeah. in the u.s senate compared with almost any other body in the rest of the world it's like a thing in the senate where now they don't even have to physically get up and do the thing they just say we're filibustering right because of the 60 because there's never a 60 seat yeah yeah exactly so they don't even have to go to the oh, effort so of actually... standing up and reading oh, right, the things okay. they just say like we're filibustering this and then it's done yeah exactly completely so yeah, so it's very stupid and and, and, and that yeah it, like i if you're if you don't even have to put in the effort of standing on your feet for 24 hours yeah, and yeah, reading yeah, the yeah. Bible and like or having whatever, that sort of like moment like, where like oh he's about to drop but if he drops now get 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 him some water or yeah like that. yeah like, exactly then yeah. it's very stupid I think yeah I mean so, so the, the, and this is where people you know in America <laughs> as in so many ways the like people there are lots of people who defend it as being quote the soul of the Senate is like the, you know unquote but the but in reality well I mean it it is definitely 
not what most voters want to see happening yeah, in a no. functioning like legislative body. It is, it is completely mad in my view. This. Unless somebody stands up and does like a really cool one man show <laughs> with like juggling or something. <laughs> like I would love it if they put a little panache into it. Yeah, it's, um, that would be great. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, there should be like some like song and dance yeah. requirement. I or think. like um, fire sticks. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So that's that's the filibuster. It is a complete and utter insult to democracy in my view i have um, one question yeah, yeah why 1841 that's a great question <laughs> that is a, such a good and relevant question yeah. <laughs> or or did we change the format of the show no i think he's filibustering us <laughs> silently so in 1841 yeah was the first example in the u.s okay of the filibuster being used oh. to try Okay. Um, okay. So I'm glad you asked. Yeah. <laughs> we may have just let the whole thing sail by. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> Nary like, a honestly, at this stage, my brain has been like, Will has conditioned me <laughs> to knowing that he's not going to follow the rules. And I just, just accept it as, as, as written. And I just didn't even question that for a second. Good. Yeah. Next week, he'll be talking about the Senate Oversight Committee when we talk about 752 BC. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, lads on tour. So, this is going to be a deep, dark, sorrowed affair oh. we're talking into. Um, no, I'm just, just clickbaiting you on this. Um, but oh. in the annals of travel history, few names shine as brightly as that of Thomas Cook. <laughs> Have you heard of him? Is that a... Is that the travel airline. agency. The travel agency. Okay. We'll, we'll come on to it. Okay. So, born in 1808 in Melbourne, in Derbyshire. <laughs> 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 not, not Melbourne, Australia. Okay. Um, so, Cook, this chap, he began his life as a cabinet maker and la later found his calling as a Baptist preacher. Oh, okay. And so, uh, very humble origins, very humble beginnings. And seems far removed from the glitz and glam of jet-setting holidays that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. But it was his dedication to his religious convictions and his involvement with the temperance movement that actually sort of led him towards being the sort of captain of industry and the head of the travel industry that he became. Wow. But the travel industry is so much about consumption of alcohol. <laughs> well, we shall see. So in 1841, the year in question. While the filibuster was While happening. While the filibuster was happening. <laughs> at a juncture where the industrial revolution was reshaping societies, Cook made his first foray into his new venture. He was keen to spread the temperance message, and temperance meaning no drinking. Yeah. Um, he organized a rail trip. So the very first uh, package holiday was a rail trip for around 500 supporters, where they went from Leicester to a meeting in Loughborough. Ah. So. A delightful journey. Yes. I mean, fantastic. <laughs> I mean, no, Loughborough is famous for many things, such as being the market center of a fertile agricultural district. <laughs> And its main industries include electrical engineering, bell founding, and hosiery manufacture. Ooh! There, so, city yeah, of industry. So anyone that doesn't want or doesn't know about Loughborough, please make it your primary destination of choice for your holidays going forward. Um, but little did he know, this seemingly innocuous 12-mile journey <laughs> um, would birth the concept of package tours. Wow. And sow the seeds for this global travel empire that would become Thomas Cook. The rise and fall of Thomas Cook. 
So um, he was, you know, relentlessly driven. He was quite in innovative, innovative, and he had a penchant for recognizing opportunity everywhere he went. Okay. So, for example, he invented the notion of vouchering, specifically hotel vouchers, where he would sell them to people who could use them in lieu of money for stays at hotels and, you know, getting food and drinks and that kind of stuff. Well, he invented the gift voucher. He basically <laughs> invented the travel, well, the travel oh, voucher. I thought that was okay. Peter Coupon. Kind of Peter Coupon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was yeah. Peter Coupon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, um, and fun fact about gift cards, the reason why everyone loves gift cards is because approximately worldwide, 10% um, of gift cards are never, never reclaimed or, or accounted for. So it's basically free money. Yeah, for, I buy for, that. For, 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 for the companies. Because, yeah. you know, you got a gift card. Oh, you put it in a drawer, you never claim. Yeah, or you sp it's like 20 bucks and you spend exactly. 18 and yeah. you can't do the last it's fantastic. two. Yeah. Um, so it's a great little money spinner. And Thomas Cook was right about it. So his... Um, uh, he, he was a, quite a devout man. Uh, moral compass was shaped shaped by his religious beliefs, and and uh, by his experience in bustling Loughborough, and, and by bustling Loughborough. <laughs> and uh, you know, it wasn't just about profit for him. It was a medium to spread uh, you know, this moral educational message of temperance, which continues to this day in travel agencies. And Thomas Cook took this to heart with all those <laughs> lads tours to Ibiza yeah. and Turkey. Uh, very temperate for sure. Did Thomas Cook go bankrupt? You might well, get there. Well, okay. Okay. We might, okay. we might. Um, but with every new venture comes challenges and rivals. So Cook's endeavors were groundbreaking and, and they really were for the time, you know, just like this, you know, this bulk group thing to, to, to go to go forth. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess the concept of traveling was like totally new. Yeah. <laughs> totally new. People never traveled up until this point. They, you know, they've commuted, sure. They've perambulated or me maybe at a stretch journeyed. Ooh. But they never traveled. They never traveled. Um, they only journeyed to the coast to take yes. in the sea yeah, air yeah, yeah. But they never for their traveled. consumption. Um, but with any groundbreaking endeavor um, comes skepticism and competition. He had competitors spring up around him. They saw this business model as, you know, eminently, you know, just reproducible. So Thomas Cook expanded his operations, hitting much more further afield destinations, such as the exotic Knaresborough. With its beautiful viaduct. Ooh, very love a nice. viaduct. Burford, with its famous three-arched medieval bridge. Oh, that, is that from whence the hens? Yes. Okay. Or Sorry, so what did he do with the bridge? He, he just expanded his tours to go to see there. Go, like, come see the bridge. I've been to see that bridge. Yeah, I know. <laughs> was it a Thomas Cook holiday? You didn't experience the No, I just, was just it driving a, through was Burford. It a, was it a train where people weren't allowed to drink? <laughs> or even to the beautiful Avebury with its mysterious Silbury Hill? Which is basically it's, it's, it's interesting because like all his all his trips yeah. are now basically like um, trips that middle aged middle class people yep. go on for or, on 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 a Saturday when they've got nothing better to do wow. if they live in Wiltshire Oxfordshire area. You, you're <laughs> speaking like a man that hasn't witnessed the majesty of Silbury Hill, which is referred to as Britain. I have. I've been to all these places <laughs> on a, on a, for, for, for a Saturday as walk. Britain's pyramid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But okay. I've never been to any of them, so oh, I feel. Oh, actually, we should go on a trip. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to go to Silbury Hill. So all these other travel agencies, they and operators arose and they aped this business model. And they undercutted or smeared the name of these perfectly uh, good towns. Like, oh, why would you go to Silbury? It's full of, like, trash people hills. and stuff. Exactly. Um, they also had skeptics who were like, you know, the idea of package holidays are, you know, was this novelty. And his vision was, like, you know, making it accessible to the masses. You know, these traditionalists that they thought that, like, they didn't believe in the feasibility of his business model. And it depersonalized this, this sort of, like, you know, spoiling the natural wonder of discovering the beauty of English's 
towns and various you know bridge related architecture type things yeah. for themselves hey so you guys have good bridges i he, get it he was poo-pooed like yeah. he really was but he was very very successful and like economies of scale he was able to do it quite well um he does unfortunately go on to die. I am sorry, Thomas Cook, not, not immortal. <laughs> well, obviously, oh, not I mean, immortal. what do you mean? Well, I thought maybe I, he would I, be our, our second immortal on the show. Yeah, after, no, of course, okay, Will Blythe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he, he dies in 1892 and he's buried in, in Leicester's Welford Road Cemetery. And there's a statue of him outside Leicester's railway station to this day. Okay. Um, you know, it's just a testament to the, the, like what he did like for, for Leicester, yeah. Loughborough and all these other places. But <laughs> yeah, those booming towns. Thomas Cook, the business itself, would go on and flourish for hundreds of years. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, <laughs> yes, hundreds of years, yes. And it's, as a brand and uh, holiday business, um, th- you know, he, he lived More in the... More than 100 Fewer than 200. <laughs> so he, well, like he, he, his legacy endured, influenced travel practices well into the 21st century. Yeah. Although there was a minor glitch when the company c- collapsed okay, uh, in yeah. 2019. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was pre-pandemic. Yes. Oof. Headline news. Okay. Uh, and the legacy just kind of crumbled before everyone's eyes. And a bunch of lads got like stuck in Ibiza, right? So, y- yes. So <laughs> we'll, we'll cover that. So September 2019, the end of the 178-year-old business. Um, several factors led to this collapse. For well, example... That, the main one being they were trying to run a low-cost travel agent from well, physical locations. That was part of it. <laughs> I mean, a, a sort of a really big part is that they were £1.7 billion pounds in debt, oh, which is God. like not great for business, I would say. Um, customers were doing things online and not going to brick and mortars, for example. And like their business model was like, oh, we'll have a brick and mortar in every town. It's very expensive when people just log on and just like, yeah, whatever. Um, there's, <laughs> you know, economic uncertainty, external events, for example, like there's the coup in Turkey, which is one of their main destinations. Of course, of they had course. an extremely hot summer, like all this kind of stuff just working against them. They had bad mergers and acquisitions. And they uh, wouldn't let people drink. Uh, yeah, no. They yeah, and, and they didn't react <laughs> at all to the internet. Like, like it wasn't the coup in Turkey. It was... <laughs> <laughs> blame of the like, but but any business that acts in this way yes. can always blame the final thing that happened to them. N- there yeah. was but, many things of building into it, but like you know, it wasn't... yeah, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Turkey had its role to play too, though. Okay, but when it did announce its collapse, it left around six hundred thousand travelers oh my stranded God. worldwide, which led to the UK's m- most massive peacetime repatriation 
ever. Wow. So like shy of Dunkirk, yeah. this was like most epic get the Brits back home, except they were loutish and drunk yeah, instead. Well. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So that's like, that's basically Thomas Cook. He invented the modern travel agents. It was in a massive institution and unfortunately collapsed due to Turkey. <laughs> and it was what? Turkey's fault. Complete Not nonsense. that he was flying 737s from Loughborough to Leicester. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, everyone everyone should go to Avebury though. <laughs> okay. Avebury. Yeah, it is pretty great. Okay. All right, I'm back from Avebury and I am going to tell you about a bookkeeper murder mystery. Bookkeeper murder mystery. Yeah, bookkeeper. When you talk now, I just think about syllables and word length. <laughs> well, try to count all of these. I will. Today I'm telling the strange... Two, four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> Are you? Yes. Uh, the strange tale of John Caldwell Colt. Mm. He was born in Connecticut in 1810, where most strange tales originate. And he was the brother of Samuel Colt. The founder of Colt. Oh, the weapon gun, gun people. Yeah, exactly. Like the Colt revolver, Colt forty-five, all that sort of stuff. And male horses. And he invent his Samuel Colt <laughs> invented the male horse. That is true. <laughs> uh, up until then, they had been spontaneously reproducing. Uh, John Colt was not as successful as his brother. He tried his hand at many careers, which previous episodes have taught me is like usually a warning sign that a person is not going to end well. I feel so attacked having tried my hand at so many careers at this stage. Like, as soon as I wrote that, I thought, wait, how many careers have you had? Like, <laughs> way too many. My music is coming along just well. Thank you. Uh, well, among the things that John Colt got up to in his 20s were riverboat gambler. <laughs> Is that a career? Oh yeah. Sorry. Well, a failed career. What? So they're gambling on. So they're on the boats. Or are yeah. they gambling? Oh, I bet three riverboats. <laughs> <laughs> no, they write racing riverboats. This is a thing in America because gambling is illegal in most places, oh, of except so on boats. Thing, on some boats, because you're on the water, gambling is legal because you're not in a state. So Wait, the rivers a, don't belong to states. They're federal land or something, or federal yeah, waterways. It'll be something like that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> in Kansas City, where I grew up, there are riverboat no. casinos in, on the water. Governance so cool. is so that's, weird. That's also why uh. there are lots of casinos on Native American reservations, well, yeah, because that's yeah. separate. That's not federal land, so they can do what they want. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, America continues to be hilarious. Uh, so John Colt tried his hand at being a riverboat gambler, a fur trader, a land speculator in Texas, a soap manufacturer in New so York. What's a land? Sp- like, is that like, yeah, I reckon that's land. <laughs> that over there? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say land. <laughs> yeah, <Marsh>. exactly. <laughs> Damn, I lost out again. <laughs> well, let's get off the riverboat. Um, a soap manufacturer in New York, a grocery wholesaler in Georgia, a dry goods merchant in Florida, and then my two favorite, an organizer of Mardi Gras celebrations in New Orleans, oh, yeah. and the debate coach for the University of Vermont. Wow. <laughs> so this guy this is, is super eclectic. All over the place. What's his name again? John Colt. John Colt. John Colt. Great name. But then, after all of these failed careers, he hit upon his life's work. 
double entry bookkeeping. Nice. <laughs> the way yeah. you said that sounds quite, quite naughty. <laughs> well, you know, I like a clean ledger. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it sounds so rude. (laughs) Well, that's right. While John Colt was teaching in Kentucky, he gave lectures on Italian bookkeeping, which is just when you have a ledger that has two columns, one for assets and one for liabilities. He published a textbook, the concisely named The Italian Science of Double Entry Bookkeeping, colon, Simplified, Arranged, and Methodized. And I'm told this textbook received very good reviews. It sounds riveting. Yes. Unfortunately, things were about to take a turn for Mr. Colt. On September 17th, 1841, a New York printer named Samuel Adams went to collect a debt that he was owed for some textbooks that he had printed for Colt. And just as a sidebar, as far as I can tell, this man has no relation to the Samuel Adams of Boston Logger and or American Revolution fame. Just another another Adams. It's a common name. It's a common Mm. name. Yeah, it's my name, actually. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes that's right i thought your middle name was cheese <laughs> <laughs> yes i am related to philly um anyway sam adams and john colt disagreed about what the actual debt was and the discrepancy that they were squabbling about was one dollar and 35 cents which while that might have been a lot of money back then is probably not worth it for what happens next like how much in today's terms is probably like a hundred quid or something maybe? Yeah, maybe maybe more, but like not not like a huge like Yeah, it's not millions. I'm assuming it gets ridiculous now what they, what happens. It does. Uh because according to Colt, Adams started choking him with his cravat <laughs> and in self defense, Colt reached for what he thought was a hammer, but was actually a hatchet. Oh wow. Either way, it's not, it's not great. But this is exactly why I wear elastic uh, cravats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Like quick release cravats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Colt strikes Adams four or five times. Adams falls to the floor. Oof. Dead. I mean, yeah. And also after the first swing, you'd know it's not a... Yeah. And like, I don't... Like, it wouldn't have been better if it were a hammer. No, You're still going to brain this dude. Yeah. So the next morning giant question mark really unclear what he did between killing the guy and this but the next morning colt wraps the body in a store awning binds it with rope places it into a large shipping crate and packs the crate with salt he addressed the crate to a non-existent address in new orleans and hired a man named barstow to deliver it to a ship called the kalamazoo which Mm. was set which was going to set sail the next morning and he cleaned up the blood also. That That is important to say, I guess. Uh, How much it, salt do you need? I don't know. A uh, crate's for, worth minus yeah, a body? Yeah, for like a human body-sized mm. crate's worth. 25 kilograms. 20. <laughs> <laughs> God. That is not surprising. Yeah. He knows this. <laughs> um, well, within a few days, Adam's family and colleagues you know, start to advertise the fact that he's gone missing. They place notices. And Colt actually visits Adam's shop to ask about the status of his textbooks and asks where Adam's is. And one of Adam's colleagues says, well, actually, I mean, the last time we saw the guy was when he was on his way to your shop. In an awning wraps in rope. <laughs> yeah. And Colt just like 
doesn't reply and basically Homer hedges out of the store and just like <laughs> runs Good away. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, well, clearly I didn't kill him because I went to ask about where he was. Um, but meanwhile, <laughs> Adam's family has pieced together some of the clues, like the last time they saw him, he was going to this guy's shop. And apparently somebody had seen Colt like scrubbing the floor or bending over a body, all these sort of maybe questionable eyewitnesses. Mm. But basically the Adams family um, <laughs> yeah, tracked down the man who drove the crate to New Orleans and located the Kalamazoo. Unfortunately for John Colt, the ship hadn't left port yet due to bad weather. So the authorities are able to board the ship and find the crate in the cargo hold. Wait, where was the ship going to go? It was in New Orleans. It was. It's not clear to me where it was going. But it was go. just going to go out to it sea. Then go. presumably they're going to like dump the body out at sea or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not well, sure no, that they, he they, thought that part through. I think he was just like, let's get it on the boat, and then like, once things are on boats, not, not my problem they disappear. Had he <laughs> put a return to sender address on there, yeah. then he yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's a big mistake. And apparently the crate. The, the decomposing body was emitting a strong odor, as decomposing bodies mm. do. But the crew thought it was just rat poison. It was like the very pungent smell of wow. rat poison and not like a dead body. But a dead body it was, and Colt was arrested. So the case becomes a sensation in the New York press. And it's hot on the heels of this other murder which was the called like the beautiful cigar woman murder <laughs> yeah so it's just like a why did you do that Will? <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted to sell you some cohibas i did my time for that <laughs> i don't want to talk about it you change man um it so it's a sensation and people are obsessed with it and it goes to trial in 1842 for a while, the prosecutors try to argue that Colt shot Adams with one of the actual like Colt family revolvers, mm. which would have been a fun twist. But then Samuel Colt himself comes into court to disprove this by firing a gun and catching the bullets with his hands. He, that didn't <laughs> happen. Apparently what? it did. Yeah, I think he did it at like really close range. So he was saying this, it wouldn't have enough force to penetrate his skull and actually the dent that they found in the guy's skull was from a nail that That's Colt used to true. like ha to shut the crate. It's okay. a whole thing. Yeah. I think we should reopen this cold. We case. should reopen the case. Uh, Colt admits that he killed Adams, but he maintained that it was in self-defense, but he also said that his first thought after he did it was to burn the whole building down to destroy the evidence. And the jury is apparently very disturbed by Colt's, quote, stoic, unremorseful, and callous demeanor mm. when he described how he disposed of the body. Oh and the judge said that his behavior was not typical of an innocent man. Uh, so, yeah, Colt is, found guilt guilt Colt is found guilty of willful murder and sentenced to hanging. Wow. And while he waited for his execution date, he was in New York City's infamous prison called The Tombs. And apparently while he was there, he lived quite luxuriously, quote, receiving daily visits from friends and family, smoking Cuban cigars, sleeping in an actual bed instead of a mound of straw and wearing silk dressing gowns inside and a sealskin overcoat for his daily walks in the prison yard. Why was he so luxurious? Unclear. I guess he's from a prominent family. So, so like they had the guards money. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he dined on meals, including quail on toast, game Yum. pâtés, reed birds, and ortolans, which are that like 
tiny swallow that the that you eat whole bird based like <laughs> diet. Yeah, he all loves- the birds you want: penguin, ostrich, whatever you want. We got it. You're posh. You I can know, do it. You got a bird guy. He'll hook you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever you want. Oh, no I beef. Just, Absolutely yeah, no yeah. beef. <laughs> I just want a burger. <laughs> What's that, a burger? Oh, no, no, what you want is a, yeah, yeah. You want an ostrich. (laughs) Well, several attempts were made to break him out of prison by disguising him in women's clothing, but they were all foiled, and in prison he remained. Um, A doctor comes to visit Colt, claiming that he could resuscitate Colt after the hanging because his neck was so thick that strangulation would be impossible, provided that he didn't hang there too long. I'm seeing. He had such a thick neck. <laughs> such a thick neck that they're like, you. Do you know what? I have just hang in this there. though before. Like, you know, when nice. you see someone who's got like basically no neck, it's just like head yeah. on shoulders. You think, how do they like, really hang that thick. Guy? Uh, Like, do you never just think sometimes, like, <laughs> you'd be fine. In Louis' court, you'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if, if, you were, if you were like, yeah, if you were a posh guy in France, you'd be fine. You'd be fine. Yeah. But it, you wouldn't have been a posh guy in France without a neck. Those people were very into necks. They were very willowy. Yeah, they very loved Very neck based society. A slender neck. Or a hamster aristocrat. Hamster. Or our, or our new mole overlords. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we will Famous never guillotine you, yeah, overlords. We couldn't. We couldn't if we, we wanted to. even if we tried. They really have progressed a lot from Wessex. <laughs> They've learned. They learned, haven't they? Yeah, they They've have. They've evolved. <laughs> um, well, much like our, our mole overlords, uh, Colt was unable to be hanged, apparently. So his friends put the doctor up in a hotel nearby so they could bring Colt to him after the hanging in the hopes that he could actually resuscitate him. Colt also asked to be allowed to marry a woman named Caroline Henshaw before he's executed. They'd been living together. It's possible they were like common law married and the authorities say yes. And so on the morning of November 14th, Colt and Henshaw are married But a few hours later, before the execution, a fire breaks out in the prison. Hmm. And after they extinguish the fire, they find Colt's body in his cell, having stabbed himself in the heart with a knife. Oh, oh, wow. So that is the end of the tale. Or is it? Is it? Because, of course, people come up with a theory that Colt actually killed another prisoner and escaped during the fire. And there are all these eyewitnesses from people in California, like a decade later saying that they saw okay. him. Yeah. Yeah. He was it's it's going to be part of like the pop culture sort of then at the yeah. time or whatever. Yeah. 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 But apparently private detectives followed Caroline Henshaw around for decades and never found any evidence of, of John Colt. So it is all just, it would have been pretty hard to pull off. Wouldn't yeah. It? I think it, it would have been, been yeah. hard. Uh, although he had the bird guy. <laughs> I mean, he had access <laughs> to well, the finest. Well, if you've got birds. a bird, it's just an ostrich with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so that is just the strange tale of John Colt and Samuel it Adams. It couldn't have been an ostrich if you think about it, because they are the most benect of birds. <laughs> they are they the do. most benect compared to this stub-necked yeah. man. Yeah, you yeah. know who's going to die in a hanging? An ostrich. Right. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. the first to go. That's the first Penguins, to go. they can hang for they're days. They're fine. <laughs> also, also because they're flightless. The fl- yeah, what are they going to do? They can't flap their way out of <laughs> yeah, it. True. Yeah, true. You can't hang a bird, really, can you? However, they are quite tall. Your scaffold would have to have some yeah. real height on their it. Their feet would just hit the ground, wouldn't yeah. they? <laughs> are they taller than humans? Ostriches? Ostriches? Yeah, they're yeah, 35 they're feet tall. <laughs> At birth. No, and then they are continue they like to grow. they like six foot tall or something? No, they're pretty They're pretty. I think like I six know. to eight. Don't look at me. I don't like the ostrich. What do you think I know about that? How much do you think I know about, <laughs> I I know okay, about ostriches? Okay. For all our ostriches that are listening, 
the tallest of you, please write into us. Ah! Let us know. <laughs> uh, common ostrich height. 2.1 oh, wow. to 2.8 meters for a male okay, adult. So it's like 9 feet. 1.7 no. to 2 meters for a female it's like adult. 7 feet. I'm 1.74, so I'm basically the size I'm of a 1. female 96. ostrich. And my neck is identical. Mm, it is. You, you have such a willowy neck. <laughs> yeah. You, every time I look at you, I think French aristocrat. Yeah. Slender as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. That's everything you will ever need to know or ever will know f- about the year 1841. Yes. That's right. If we, if we ever find out that you've learned anything else you've about learned 1841, one more I fact. I swear to God, we'll sink <laughs> the more people things. on yeah. you. <laughs> but before we go into booting up the random number generator, we just want to say a sincere thank you to everyone that listens to us. We get a great crack out of doing this. And also a special thank you to our beloved benevolent patrons are board members Mm. and so you too can be a board member if you go to our patreon and help support us and uh, we only do this because you're able to donate a little bit of cashola cashish (laughs) spondulies spondulies yeah and i guarantee that if you become a board member you'll never be a board member. Hey. That's absolutely and right. I've, I've been I've been ramping up my like contributions to the Patreon, so you get little extra tidbits here and yeah. there. You get ad free yeah. listening. We actually haven't played a game in the League of Lies for a long time. Yeah, we, we should put another thing on there. We'll put another thing on. But thank you very much. Yeah, you go to Patreon.com/slash/randomlyhistory if you'd like to contribute. It does yeah. help cover the costs and of everything. There's a free little little snippet membership you can get to as well so just uh, and we'd um we'd like to especially give a shout out to the following board members yes um shelly oh shelly she is as intelligent as she is beautiful um and she's neither maybelline maybelline <laughs> maybe she's she born with is it. absolutely born with it <laughs> she is totally worth it cinnamon cinnamon what are you, re- what are you reading right I'm, now i'm reading the name of are the patreon names, members are these she's, names of famous he horses? or she is sweet Vanity. <laughs> Vanity. <laughs> Vanity. FIFA Trixabel. War Admiral. Yeah. All noble. Secretariat. Beautiful, wonderful people. Um, moon Unit. What the what the hell are you saying? Oh, these are Frank Zappa's children. The, these are this is this is um Emma's diary.co.uk uh weird girls' names. Uh, right, okay, right, okay. Yeah. So to our actual Otter. board. <laughs> To our actual board members, thank you. Sunday Molly. I take back my thanks to whoever Will was just mentioning. <laughs> I thought. You know what? I'm just going to put us all out of our misery, Trixabel and Moon Unit included, because I see the random number generator beeping angrily at mm. me. And if I'm not mistaken, and I know I'm not trained to do this, but I do believe there's a ticker tape coming out of it. What? Oh, my goodness me. Yes, this is absolutely right. <laughs> Uh, there is a ticker tape coming out, which can only mean one thing. It means that someone on the board has uh, asserted their rights. It was probably Maybelline. I think you must. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and the year in question for next week will be... 
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.